0: This is the Starcoach Show with Meg Renschler, episode 214.
1: I think it's important that we think about not just our own goals, but how are we assisting other people in the accomplishment of their goals. I look at this partisan debate over mask wearing, and I'm just kind of aghast that it's all about me. You know, I shouldn't have to wear a two ounce mask. And I think in the 20th century, there was this real self-improvement, self-help, self-this, self-that. And as I wrote my books and thought about the 21st century and now COVID, I'm thinking it's not just about us. Is the accomplishment of our goals assisting other people and being awed and inspired to also do hard things? What is it that we bring to the table that helps other people too? So I would like to say that a rising tide lifts all boats and that we have to be careful not to be in a silo. We have to go out there and see what can I do to help others, whether it's wearing a mask or just simply asking people In five years, if you could take a time-traveling elevator into the future and it opened into your absolute best life, what would that look like? Just ask someone that question and see what they say. Most people tell me no one's ever even asked them that question, but that's a gift, to ask somebody and to listen to that answer. So that's what I would say.
0: Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources, whatever your focus or niche. Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I am delighted to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and want to thank you for Spending time with the Star Coach Show as we continue to explore different strategies, tools, and resources. And I used to say to help you be the best coach you can be, and that certainly is the focus of the show. But I've been delighted to hear more and more of leaders that are listening to the show and other people who are gaining from the guests that we have who aren't necessarily coaches, yet the strategies, tools, and resources that we talk about in just showing up at your best is is resonating with so many people, and I'm always thrilled to hear how the different episodes are impacting you. Now, when we think about being impacted by life and creating our best life, that is exactly The specialty of our guest today, Caroline Adams Miller, is going to be talking to us about the science behind creating successful goals, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. I do want to reiterate that I'm hearing from several of you that a goal that you have is to get more coaching hours and to be able to practice and get some direct feedback to build that coaching muscle. And that is something that I'm working on, pulling together a program, and would love to hear from you if that's something that interests you. And just a little tweak to that, I've also heard from several people who are realizing that they needed their mentor hours for recredentialing. So I'm going to be starting a mentor group pretty quickly out of the gate here to, well, we can't get that done by the end of December for credentialing. We have a little bit of a grace window with the ICF. So if you're in the place of thinking, yeah, I need mentor hours for my recredential, shoot me an email, Meg at a focus on results.com. I have several coaches who are interested in that. And certainly want to let you know that this isn't the normal time of the year that I would do it, but because of all that has been going on in the world, I think that's something that fell off of people's radar and they're needing, they're realizing that they need it. And that is something that we can take care of. So, Mag at a focus on results.com. I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about any of that, once again, just shoot me an email. Now, let's talk about our fantastic guest today. So timely as we are closing out of a really challenging year and then moving into a year that is going to have some of its own challenges along with it. I am thrilled to be visiting with Caroline Adams Miller. Caroline, as I mentioned before, is one of the world's leading experts on the science behind successful goal setting. This isn't like, oh, just what do we think might be the best way to set goals? No, this is the science behind goal setting. And then the use of good grit to achieve hard things. Many of us have faced many obstacles over the last several months and being able to use that good grit to achieve hard things is probably exactly what we need to hear about. Now, Caroline was a guest on episode 36, so many moons ago, to talk about her book, Getting Grit. And at, in that interview, we talked just a little bit about her book, Creating Your Best Life. And it is being reissued because it sold over a hundred thousand copies. Isn't that exciting? And Caroline and I decided that it would be really good to get her research backed actionable strategies in front of you to help you cultivate more grit and dig deeper into clarity and a plan to achieve your toughest goals. Those goals that are really going to help you create the kind of life, business, relationships that you really want in life. Caroline is a speaker, she is an educator, really a pioneer in the industry, an author of those books that I discussed, and she is a professional coach. For two decades, she has coached hundreds of individuals, from senior executives to professional athletes, from parents to politicians, on how to identify their character strengths to get that grit that we talk about and achieve their goals. So with that being said, Caroline and I talk about a lot of, to me, really exciting things. And I think they're going to light you up and and have you be excited as well. If you want to hear the first interview that she did with me, there will be a link for that at StarCoachShow.com slash 214. And in the show notes, I've included a link for the first show that she did with me many moons ago. So with that being said, let's go to our interview with Caroline Adams Miller. Caroline Miller, welcome to the Star Coat Show. Thanks for coming back and being with us again. What an honor. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. I would have you again and again. So we are here to really celebrate the reissue of your fabulous Creating Your Best Life, the Ultimate Lifeless Guide. And it's being reissued
1: after so many years. So what motivated that? What's going on? Gosh, it was a little bit of a surprise. And thank you for starting with something I'm so excited about and, and just so proud of. I was on my way to drive a truck from DC to Houston, and I got a call from my editor at Sterling Books, and that's the publishing arm for Barnes and Noble, or at least was at the time in 2008. And she said, you know, Caroline, we just fixed the accounting uh, system here, and we have figured out that Creating Your Best Life, published at the end of 2008, sold over 100,000 copies. And we would like to reissue it. How do you feel about that? And I'm somewhere in the middle of North Carolina or South Carolina. I'm like, of course I'm okay with it. So I wrote a new introduction. They have a new cover and a few new things. But what prompted it is... The book, even 12 years later, it was groundbreaking when it came out. It was the first evidence-based goal-setting book for the mass market ever published. The first one to have footnotes, the first one to have science. More than that, it was also the first to connect the science of happiness with the science of success. So it broke all kinds of new ground. But 12 years later, I'm standing in line at an outlet in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, with a lot of Le Creuset in my arms, and I get this text that says, Creating Your Best Life was just ranked the number one goal setting book for 2020. And I'm thinking, what? And I looked at the list. It was some of the most powerful. It was Dale Carnegie. It was Deepak Chopra. And I mean, I was number one. And I was thinking, you know, it is a book that has grown on people, but because of its uniqueness, it has staying power. And I'm just so proud of it. So That's how it happened, and that's why it's coming out in December again. It is such a fabulous book. For
0: anybody who hasn't gotten your copy, wait till December because, well, we're issuing this uh, interview in December, but I want you to get a hold of of the new one with the additional things that, that Caroline has added, but I will tell you that this is like the handbook of creating your best life it really truly is and I know we're going to talk a little bit about what's new in goal setting but I'm wondering if we could touch first on the importance of the importantness yeah the importance of happiness when it comes to goal attainment can you connect those dots
1: for us? Han, I had this aha moment at the University of Pennsylvania back in the fall of 2005? I was one of the first, I think, 32 people in the world to get a master's degree in applied positive psychology at Penn, and that was the science of positive psychology. And so I'm in this classroom at Huntsman Hall at UPenn, and this research paper is assigned to us. I still remember where I was when I read it. And it's called The Benefits of Frequent Positive Affect. And it's three of the you know leaders of the positive psychology field, Sonia Lubomirsky, Laura King, and Ed Diener. And what they had done is a meta-analysis of all the findings on success ever done. So they looked at longitudinal, correlational, causal, every kind of research you could look at about success. Success with work, success with health, success with friends, whatever. And what they found conclusively, it wasn't even a close call, is that all success in life is preceded by being happy first. And I just remember the scales coming off my eyes, thinking that explains some of the misery I've had in my life of thinking, if I just got that swimming time or that grade or that whatever, I'll be happy. And so when you when you turn it upside down and you say, it's really about flourishing first, which then sets you up for a variety of different reasons that we can go into or not. When you Flourish first, a lot of other things happen that then make it far more likely that you 're going to think differently, behave differently, connect with other people differently, and th- therein lies the difference between being happy before you 're successful and successful before you 're happy so so good yet yeah. there might be people listening thinking, but
0: happiness feels so like how do I grab it how do i How do I get some of of that so what would be some things that you would say about If our intention is to really focus on the happiness, what,
1: what would we be focusing on? Well, that's such a good point. So I'm so happy that that's the question you asked. So it's not just happiness as in happyology. The word um, happiness has kind of been made fun of. And so flourishing is the word that's replaced it in the last 15 years. But what flourishing means is not just a smile on your face. It also means being proud, being awed, being content, being mindful experiencing love. And so I think there's something like 11 to 15 words that mean happiness or flourishing. So it's not so much the pursuit of happiness that we're after. It's about living our lives in such a way where happiness is the byproduct of the choices we're making, what we're thinking about and what we're choosing to do. And these are called wise interventions or positive interventions, right from positive psychology, lots of research on them, like the three blessings exercise, you know, count your blessings at the end of the day? Why did these good things happen to you? And how do you feel recalling them? Because gratitude is one of the interventions you can do on yourself that ups your well-being. A sense of gratitude is also a sense of flourishing. So what you're doing is you're optimizing the way you live, the way you think. And in the process of that, you become a slightly different person. You have a different filter uh, in terms of how you see other people, how you see yourself, how you see the world. That is what sets you up for success in your goals. Excellent.
0: And then when you, when you are focusing on your goals, and we're thinking about goal setting, I know some new things have come up about yeah. that. So what do we want to kind of increase
1: our awareness about when it comes to goal setting? Okay. So this is where I think I might be most proud of creating your best life. Another assignment we had at Penn was on goal setting theory, which is Locke and Latham. And it's one of the oldest theories in management. In 1990, they established goal setting theory. It's been proven. It's, I think, the number one tested management tool uh, if you look at organizational psychology and organization, organizations, period. But most people don't know goal setting theory. The science of goal setting has been in academia for decades, and yet it had never hit the mass market till I wrote my book. The only other book I'm aware of that has brought it out is John Doerr's Measure What Matters. So I brought out goal setting theory, Locke and Latham, and that's learning goals and performance goals. One of the most important things people have to do that they don't know about is that smart goals and OKRs, objectives and key results and KPIs, key performance indicators, that's not goal setting theory. If If you think SMART goals is all about science or OKRs, it's not. And so in a very brief way, goal setting theory establishes that not all goals are created equal and that you have to separate them before you actually establish your plan to accomplish them into learning goals, things you've never done before, and performance goals, things you have done before. And that's where you separate out the metric by how you'll measure success and so on. I'll just add one more thing. Every disaster in business history, if not people's personal history, has come from people not knowing the difference between learning goals and performance goals. And I'll just give you one example. and that's oh, please. The 737 MAX, this disaster that killed hundreds of people. What happened was Boeing rushed a plane into being because Airbus had beaten them to the punch by developing a more fuel-efficient kind of huge airplane, and Boeing had been asleep at the wheel, not innovating, kind of fat and happy, thinking, let Airbus have this, when American Airlines called them and said, hey, we're about to place an order with Airbus. You're going to lose us as a customer, at which point Boeing is just freaking out, and it's like, oh, no, wait, 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 we'll get you a plane. So they skipped all of the things that you have to do to develop a brand new plane. And they just kind of tweaked the old 737, I think, Dreamliner, which is what they did was they had a learning goal. They had to develop a new kind of plane that they'd never developed before. And instead, they turned it into a performance goal. And they said, we will give you a plane in six months, a year, whatever it was. So they gave it an end date that's only appropriate if you've done the goal before. When you rush the process, what happens are people cut corners, they cheat, they steal, they even die. And I could do the Ford Pinto, The VW emissions scandal, people are going to die a decade earlier in Germany because of what VW did. It always comes down to this, people mixing up learning goals and performance goals. Knowing the science is one of the most critical things you can do as a coach or a person because we're coaching people on goal accomplishment, progress and accountability. I mean, think of the key core competencies of the ICF. And and yet I would say the vast majority of coaches have never heard of goal setting theory. And they will because they're going to read Creating Your Best Life. Yeah.
0: So with that, when we think about being clear, is this something I'm still learning? Is this something that I can reach into a success experience? Because it's the same, um, not because we're, we're creating something new out of something old. What, how does that, if at
1: all, because I really want to get into your bridge framework, so how does that fit in with your bridge framework? Okay, and so... I coach a lot of senior leaders and CEOs in a variety of different companies. I, I mean, countries, uh, New Zealand, the Middle East, the United States, whatever. So I have my ear to the ground on how are their companies setting and pursuing goals? And what is the senior leadership doing? And how are they measuring the progress of the people who they mentor or who report to them? And what I kept hearing about were OKRs. And, and yet it didn't fit goal setting theory. So objective and key results is something that came out of Intel in the 1970s. White male engineers, years, primarily Andy Grove, took the management by objectives by Peter Drucker from the 1950s. He tweaked it, and he came up with OKRs and KPIs. And it's stuck. Now, it's an acronym that doesn't really mean much to – it doesn't evoke, you know, big thinking – but beyond that, I knew it was broken. I knew it wasn't goal-setting theory. But beyond that, the field of psychology and motivation has continued to drive forward. And there's all this new research on motivation, on gender differences in pursuit of goals, neurolinguistics. I mean, so much new research, um, psychological safety. And none of this is reflected in OKRs and KPIs, right? Yet so many companies are using OKRs and KPIs from the 50s, <laughs> if, you, I mean, if we go back- Back in your plan. Yes. So I went away to a cat. I mean, I've been working on this for years, ever since Creating Your Best Life came out. I've been working on continuing to advance it. And it turns out that the field of goal setting has not really been innovated by a woman ever. It started in 1906 with, you know, Henry Ford and kind of the Ford Motor Company. And then it went to Peter Drucker. Then it went to Andy Grove at Intel. Then it went to goal setting theory in the 1990s. And here we are in 2020, almost 2021. And there's never been a woman's voice centrally at the the heart of goal setting. What I'm finding is a lot of the research that's out there about things like give and take, Adam Grant's give and take. One of the things that, that is true that most people don't know is that when you give as a woman in in the workplace, you don't always end up at the top of the success ladder like Adam Grant promises. Men end up at the top of the success ladder because when women give, it's taken for granted. When men give even a little bit, you know, they're treated like conquering heroes. So all this gender research has not been looked at in terms of goal setting. So I took myself to a cabin in July And I sat there for almost four weeks by myself, not speaking, covered the walls with paper, and I went through every single facet of research on how to be successful that was still missing from OKRs, KPIs, SMART goals, whatever. That's my new bridge framework. What I came up with was an acronym, B-R-I-D-G-E, and it's the how of goal accomplishment that rolls all the new research in. So B is brainstorming. When you get into the brainstorming about how you're going to accomplish goals, it does cover this, is it a learning goal or is it a performance goal? Relationships. This is one of the most important parts of, positive psychology because the saying is other people matter if you aren't looking at the contagion the contagion of people's behavior and thinking and standards when it comes to pursuing goals again you're asleep at the wheel so you have to take a look at the relationships who do i want with me on this journey because i think what we're doing is we're heading to a destination what's the dream outcome not what's the okr what's the dream we know that simply using the word dream evokes a whole different kind of pathways thinking in the brain so it's where are you going? Well, the bridge is what takes you there. I is the investment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's just so good. But I, I, about relationships, when
0: people think about relationships, there's a big power, and this is covered in your book, about the kinds of people that we choose to have relationships with. Do you, can you just
1: touch on that a little bit? Oh, gosh, can I ever. And let me again say that I think this is something where women come up short because this new research from Harvard Business Review finds that women need to network differently from men. Men who network transactionally are successful. Women who network by... Better do better by building relationships. So we do know from positive psychology that it's the quality of the relationships and the friendships you have that truly dictate the quality of your life, particularly as you get older, because it's what you bring to the table in terms of the friends and the commitment and the caring and the tending to those relationships that give life meaning and purpose. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or any of those things. What really matters when you study the happiest people is that they have a fund of friends, people who have who they care about, whom they love, but also who they look out for. They say yes to. How can I help you? And so one of the things that is also important that I talk about in creating your best life is contagion. We know that behaviors are contagious, and you have to be extraordinarily careful about who you spend time with when you're pursuing a goal. And this is where I just want to wave a big red flag about women. It's been found that 84% of women admit that they're surrounded by frenemies, friends who are enemies. Why? Why do they do this? because they don't want anyone to think they're not nice. And so this whole idea of being nice to people, and going overboard in that has kept women from building up what I call a mawai, a tribe, a deliberate tribe around you that has your back. All women should be in a mastermind group. I'm doing a quick ebook right now on how to, how to start and run a mastermind group. But the quality of people around you can dictate not just the quality of your life, but whether or not you actually achieve your goals. Because women tend to be very passive aggressive or passive destructive according to the research when they see another woman succeed Or they see somebody going after a big dream. Now, I want to say that's kind of pigeonholing women, except the research does show this. Women do not always believe and achieve in each other. They tend to befriend, but they don't believe and achieve. And we have to learn to do this.
0: So good. I'm so glad I stopped you to get that piece in. We need to be aware of the connections we make and, and how we're supporting those people.
1: Well, and one more thing I'll say, this is the heuristic about whether or not someone's in your camp is, and this is Shelley Gable's research at UC uh, Santa Barbara, she found, and she wrote this brilliant paper, what happens between friends when things go right? She found that the one determinant of whether or not someone really has your best interests, really has your back, is how they respond to your good news. And there's only one right way, and that is with enthusiasm and curiosity. It's called active constructive responding. Any other kind of response to your good news, your dream, whatever, any other kind is the is the red neon flashing light. Don't share your good news and your dreams with this person. It might be your sister. It might be your mother. It might be your best friend. You might think, well, of course I'll tell them. They should be happy for me. Women that make this mistake in extraordinary ways, and we have to stop. Do a trial balloon and, and you know, I think it's true for men too, but I'm a little concerned about gender at times. Right. Try a balloon. So see what happens. And I love the fact that you have built so much
0: into that. That vision of you sitting in the cabin with all the research all around you was actually awe-inspiring. And that we're building, this bridge is built on all of that energy is exciting. So I stopped you at I.
1: What's your I? The investment, the investment of your character strengths. That's other new research. When we use our top character strengths, and I use the Values in Action Character Strengths Survey, but when we know and use our top strengths in, in the pursuit of our goals, not only are we more successful, we're also happier. So it's an investment of time, money, character strengths. Anything you have to invest in the process, you have to look at up front. D is the decision-making. When are we going to go for it? When is it time to get going? You have to have a timeline that goes along with these goals. G is grit, or I would say good grit. So my 2017 book, Getting Grit. This book. yes, Which, by the way, Carolyn
0: did an interview with me on Getting Grit. So the link for that will be in the show
1: notes as well, if you want to catch that interview as well. Well, and so grit is not always good. And I think that was the main thing that I did was I separated grit into, you know, not just grit, but good grit and bad grit, stupid grit, selfie grit, faux grit. Those are all bad kinds of grit. So how do you cultivate the right kinds of grit that involve patience and self-regulation and humility even? So it's about how are we going to have that? How much will we need? And E is excellence. E is the kind of elite standards that you're going to have for yourself. What is it that's going to be your successful uh, outcome? We know from goal setting theory that both learning goals and performance goals, that the best possible outcome comes when you have what's called challenging and specific goals, which means stretch your hand out, past your fingertips is excellence. It's not easy to get there. It's hard. You don't know if you're going to get there. So that's the bridge method. So, so that's basically the how, and there's other things that go along with it, but um, that was the big breakthrough is I came up with an acronym and all the pieces that were missing. And it's, a, it's just a reformulation of goal setting that includes the research that really matters that isn't there right now.
0: So good. Now, let me ask you this. You created and then COVID. So how, if at all, have you been able to introduce this in organizations and in the work that you do? Has that happened yet?
1: It's been great. Yes. So okay. I coaching clients are virtual. And so a lot of them, It's it's, you know, the end of Q3 when we're taping this and they're starting to look at 2021. And so all this year, and actually it's been more than a year that I've been talking about this. I've just been really pulling it together and finalizing the acronym and all just in July and August, but I've been running it by them, learning goals and performance goals and teaching them what the difference is. I should also say that I've been tapped to teach goal setting and grit at the Wharton business school in their executive education program. And so I've been able to roll this out, not just with executive coaching clients, but in large organizations with, you know, leaders from all over the world essentially. So people love it. And, um, I was coaching an entire organization from the CEO down, their mission statement all the way down. And I was coaching a lot of engineers who had amazing backgrounds, just amazing companies they had come from. And they would say to me, you know, on the phone, they would say, no one has ever taught me goal setting. I cannot wait for this call. And I would say, how old are you? You know, 40, 42, best companies in Silicon Valley they had Mm -hmm. been. And they had been held responsible for different goals, but nobody ever explained to them, well, this is how we got there. This is what it is. Do you have these qualities? How are you going to learn it? Where are you going to go learn it? And consequently, the outcomes are all over the place. So I don't think most companies have the slightest idea how to set goals properly. So my next book after creating your best life is, is the updated version of that truly with this new acronym. So that's, that's the next book. That's the next book. So that's not the book coming out in December, but we can look forward to
0: the next book is going to have the bridge in it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is being reissued in December. Creating we- your best life for those of you who can't see. Uh huh. Yeah. And so after that, we didn't have time to update all the findings or include my bridge methodology. It was just so fast when they called it. That was right. February. Plus and you it- were driving. It's kind of hard to write and drive at the same time. I was driving. It was great. It was great. <laughs> one of those calls, it's like, what? So the next book will be that and I have my publisher is bidding on it right now. So that's kind of where things are. Excellent. Excellent. We'll definitely
0: have to have you come back when that book comes out to let us know what you included, because I guarantee you, you'll have come up with even more to flesh that out and to, to bring it forward so that it adds value. What else about goal setting and creating your best life, do we want to be sure that we include today to really create the vision?
1: I think it's important that we think about not just our own goals, but how are we assisting other people in the accomplishment of their goals? I look at this partisan debate over mask wearing, and I'm just kind of aghast that It's all about me, you know, I shouldn't have to wear a two ounce mask. And I think in the twentieth century there was this real self-improvement, self-help, self-this, self self that. And as I wrote my books and thought about the twenty-first century and now COVID, I'm thinking it's not just about us, is the accomplishment of our goals assisting other people and being awed and inspired to also do hard things. What is it that we bring to the table that helps other people too? So I would like to say that a rising tide lifts all boats. And that we have to be careful not to be in a silo. We have to go out there and see, what can I do to help others? Whether it's wearing a mask or just simply asking people in five years, if you could take a time traveling elevator into the future and it opened into your absolute best life, what would that look like? Just ask someone that question and see what they say. Most people tell me no one's ever even asked them that question, but that's a gift to ask somebody and to listen to that answer. So that's what I would say.
0: Oh, so, so, so good. I appreciate you bringing your work forward to us. I am thrilled that your book's being reissued and a hundred thousand copies way Uh, to go. And just imagine all the people, I mean, a hundred thousand is awesome, but that's not at all touching everybody who needs to read your work and understand the power of the kinds of teachings that you have in this book and that are coming forward from you in the future. So thank you. You're a gift to all of us.
1: You know, you're just so kind. What you just role models for everyone is active, constructive, responding, enthusiasm about my success, and curiosity, what's in it. I mean, that's exactly how we all need to be trained to respond to other people's good news. And let me say one other thing, because we're, we're women, and I think your audience might be a lot of female coaches it is very difficult for women to be seen as experts in fields where traditionally they've heard a man's voice. And I think this is why no woman has ever, ever been seen as the key motivational speaker or expert on goal setting. Because the research shows that when women are are experts and know more, than men, for example, in an area that's traditionally been male-dominated. I mean, CEOs don't often listen to women about goal-setting. It's harder for us to break through. And so it is important for us to see other women who are experts in their fields and uphold them and share their success. Because until we do, we'll never be seen as experts in the fields that are important to us. So this is another area where women, I think, have to catch up to where men are. So and people of color, I'm going to say women and people of color have it so much harder being seen as experts. So your show really helps to bridge that gap because the more airtime a person gets, the more likely they are to be seen as an expert. Well,
0: I am thrilled to do it and know that there is so much excellence out there. And you're helping to push us to just reach a little bit further. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and thank you. This is really just such a nice opportunity, and you're doing such. You've really stuck with this, and so many people don't stick with a podcast. And so when I saw that you're not just going strong, it's just years of this. I'm just so impressed. So congratulations to you. Well, thank you so much. And I will say,
0: it's uh, sometimes when people reach out to me to be a guest on the show, they say I don't even consider doing a show with somebody who has less than a hundred episodes, and it- because to your point, sometimes there's three or four episodes and then it goes away. So I'm just thrilled that this continues to bring value for the listener
1: and it's guests like you who do that. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Mutual admiration. I want to once again
0: thank Caroline Miller for joining the show, bringing her expertise forward. If you'd like to know more about Caroline, about her books, the work that she does, go to StarCoachShow.com slash 214 to go directly to the show notes for her show and all the links to be able to connect with the goodness that is Caroline will be there. Now, next week, I invite you back. I will be visiting with Julie Ciardi about creating conversations on Instagram. Now, I asked her specifically for us to zero in on Instagram because I think it is a platform that many coaches can use really productively to connect with their clients. Now, the philosophies and the strategies that she shares certainly can be used on other platforms as well. But we decided to zero in on Instagram because I haven't really had a lot of shows around Instagram. So next week, come back and learn how to show up on Instagram in a way to attract clients. If you're enjoying the show, please think rate, and review wherever you are listening to the show, because the more rates and reviews we receive, the more people find our show. Remember to join me if you would like. I would love to have you join me at Facebook Live on the Star Coach Facebook page every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next week. This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.